recording. Okay, so um, this is, let's discuss a paper soon after reading it. Um, this um, podcast on YouTube and uh, recording, we selected a paper and started reading it two hours ago. And from now on, we are going to discuss the paper. And today we have three participants. Um, I am Yota Kashima. Uh, I'm a research assistant at ATR Monash University. And um, next, Aniko, can you introduce yourself? Yeah, I'm Aniko Kustar. I'm a PhD student at Monash University. Then Ryoichi, please. Yes, I'm Ryoichi Watanabe at the Kyoto University and a PhD student. Hey, thank you. And today we are going to discuss a paper titled Decoding Rapidly Presented Visual Stimuli from Prefrontal Ensembles Without Report nor Post-Perceptual uh, Processing. And the author is, um, I think, all from a Fran French Institute, and Joachim Belat, um, Marion Gay, Abulihash, Duara uh, Kanat, Becca Yalaya, and Timo Van Kerukorie, Stanislas Dion, and Theophanis Panagio Taro. So sorry, it's a bit, not bit, it's really hard for me to, um, you know, properly pronounce uh, these names, but just forgive me. Um, but anyhow, and this paper is published this year, 2022, from Neuroscience of Consciousness. Um, okay, so first I will give you just a brief summary of this paper. So in consciousness research, um, there is a kind of ongoing debate regarding the core region for consciousness. So some people or some theories predict that the um, prefrontal cortex is important for our subjective conscious experiences, but other people predict that the um, posterior parietal or sensory area is important for consciousness. So in order, so this study is specifically focusing on the prefrontal cortex. And then if uh, the prefrontal cortex is important for conscious uh, experiences, then we should be able to decode the contents of the conscious experiences from the neuron operations in prefrontal cortex. But, um, okay, so the reason why, I think the main point of this paper is that um, they used a no report um, paradigm because it previously uh, some people who supported the posterior core hypothesis says that the um, prefrontal neuron just reflect the post perceptual processing or task related processing not the uh, neural correlates of consciousness per se. So 
this paper uh, investigate that uh, activity in prefrontal cortex in a no report paradigm. And what the author did is basically um, record a population of neuron from macaque uh, ventrolateral prefrontal cortex in two conditions. And both of them are this um, no report. And in one conditions, um, the authors presented a um, sequence of images in uh, slowly. And the other condition, they presented the stream of images in a rapid manner. And then in both uh, conditions, um, again, they recorded the brain activity or neural activity, neuronal activities, a multi-unit uh, multi activity from um, prefrontal cortex. And then they found that um, prefrontal cortex um, encode these um, visual informations or visual stimuli. Um, also, interestingly, um, they found that um, the activity is decodable or the, inf the stimuli was decodable at earliest roughly around 60 milliseconds after the stimulus onset. And the performance was roughly a maximum at roughly uh, 150 milliseconds. And also they recorded the activity, not only in prefrontal cortex, but also in posterior parietal area. Then they found that the decoding accuracy was better in prefrontal cortex than posterior parietal cortex. And then the end, they kind of concluded that the neurons in prefrontal cortex encode the conscious um, perception or conscious experiences without no report paradigm, suggesting that um, this is the evidence or the support theory that predict that prefrontal cortex is important for conscious experiences. And that's my um, just a brief summary. Um, if you have any questions, comment, can you uh, please do it now? Yeah, I had one question, which is somewhat related to the uh, methodology, but also to the implementation or the interpretation of the results. So in the discussion, the authors claim that um, this uh, participation of the prefrontal cortex uh, or neurons in the prefrontal cortex um, may be actually a sign of um, that the prefrontal cortex has this facilitatory role in top-down uh, predictions. Um, communicating towards the primary visual areas. And this is also kind of supported with the time course of the um, successful decoding. But, but I, uh, so I understand that they have used different objects. And as I understood, they use it randomly. So they chose randomly among, uh, from at least 18 objects, I guess. And I wasn't, quite sure what was 
what was the prefrontal cortex predicting there? Or like how, because I mean, in general, I would assume um, when we are talking about predictions, uh, it is coming from a, a previous, uh, some kind of regularity in the, in the environment or some kind of learned rule or something like that. But then when you get random objects, um, uh, yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't sure what was, what was it predicting? Maybe was it like just very quickly from the, from the outline of the object, predicting the, the exact object through learning, like, I don't know, what was, did you understand this part? And um, can you explain or what do you think? Okay, so I think I can answer that question. And when you say prediction, uh, or what when the, the author say prediction, it's not about the across trial or across um, stimuli prediction within stimuli, one stimulus prediction. And I think it's kind of better to think about the two different pathway, pathway or parallel pathway. Um, one pathway is uh, so-called a feed forward sweep. It's really first. So it leads the prefrontal really quickly. And then the other one is uh, somehow slow relative to the first one. And then you can, and if we think about these two you know, pathway, then you can imagine that um, the first sweep, feed forward sweep first reach prefrontal, and then that will, <coughs> or the activity at the prefrontal um, caused by that feed forward sweep will be then feed back to the um, sensory area or other area. And then that's top-down input and also the slow neural processes will meet at um, some sensory area or temporal area, for example, inferior temporal or something. Then that kind of informations are combined for better uh, object recognition, something like that. Does it make yeah. sense? Yeah, yeah, uh, that makes sense. And then uh, in this way, basically like a, a very, perhaps um, not as rich information stream goes up to the prefrontal cortex and then it kind of um, basically generates some predictions of the possible um, objects. And then that will facilitate the processing in like higher visual areas like V4 and mm -hmm. um, others, right? Yeah. I see, yeah, that makes sense. Um, any other questions or comments? Richie, do you have any? Yeah, yeah, I have a briefly comment and question. So in this study, they all, the two makaku participated in this task. So the distemper site or a trial, trial site is enough of uh, enough for concluding these are significant. So just I, I'm wondering this point. 
Yeah, that's a difficult to answer, I think, question. But at least, of course, you need to think about the cost of you know data acquisition. In from ethic perspective, it's not a in a sense good to you know activity invasive brain activity from many you know monkeys. Yeah, I see, and. Uh, so and participate now a name or participate id just a macaque a and macaque h so h uh, a and h what means so if there normal a b c d e f g h participated but are successfully a and h or how randomize the name no no a i think it's just a name and then they just yeah, right. Because I, I'm pretty sure they named the the monkeys or the you know the work the the researchers are working with them. So, mm -hmm. uh, so I so the OSET or the uh, institute have some macaque monkeys, and in this study, uh, they choose macaque A, and after macaque H, so to participate to monkey participated in. Yeah, I and yeah, I understand the uh, uh, difficulty of the animal study or ethics, but mm. I don't. So yeah, I'm I'm not sure actually if I understand. Um, so are you concerned that these these uh, findings are not generalizable to like all mammals or um, mm. because I think even even with a single um, experimental single subjects, if we are actually look co collecting uh, good quality data that can be very informative. Like we had so many um, important findings uh, identified based on, you know, um, so these important case studies uh, uh -huh. with, with different lesions and, and such. Uh -huh. uh, in that case, I think it's like if the experiment is well rounded and the methodology is sound. Um, it, it's not necessarily uh, obvious for me why would you need a larger sample size? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I see. I see. Yeah, just my comment. But mm. mm. um, at least, uh, you know, based on the figure. One, for example, the decoding accuracy is, you know, obviously high than chance level. So you don't need to think that much about the sample size and also effect sizes, things like that, I guess. But if I check them on supplementary material, like if figure one, uh, which is from uh, monkey H, the decoding accuracy. And there, the performance was, you know, not that good as the figure one in the main text. So I, I don't know. Well, what does figure one in the supplementary shows? Uh, it's the basically the same as, uh, sorry, not the figure one. Um, figure two in supplementary, uh, sorry, uh, figure two in main text. Mm 
So the x-axis is the time from stimulus onset, and then y-axis is the decoding accuracy. So the supplementary material shows the decoding accuracy for each um, stimulus. No, sorry, probably not the supplementary material one, probably two or three. I forgot the number, but you know, just same um, decoding accuracy, ah, supplementary material one. Yes. I, I, yeah, probably I can show you or share by sharing my screen. Um, this one. Mm. Basically the yeah. same. If you look at the y-axis, you know, performance or the max is roughly like a 0 0.12 or yeah, the max is 0 0.5 in this figure, but let's say if you go back to the main text, oops, sorry. Yeah, the max is like a five, 0 0.25 and five and sometimes one. So overall, I would say that the performance, decoding performance is better for this monkey A than in monkey H. Uh, I'm not sure because I think the uh, the difference. So in the main figure, figure is trained with isolated stimuli, and then in the supplementary, it says trained with slow paced stimuli. Slow paced stimuli. So I'm not sure if it's actually different monkeys. Are Are you sure it's that? Yeah. So. I did not explain my brief summary, but uh, um, in monkey A and monkey H, the task are slightly, or the conditions were slightly different. In monkey A, there is two conditions, and one is isolated uh, condition, meaning that within one trial, uh, I think five mill 500 milliseconds, they show only one image with, um, yeah, 17 milliseconds. So single stimulus trial. And this is what they called uh, isolated stimuli, I think. And then the top is uh, rapid uh, sequence, serial visual presentation trial. So within five milliseconds, 500 milliseconds, they shows like, sequence of images and this is for uh, monkey a and then monkey h that basically what they did is similar but then here they consider two different conditions slow paced trial and again the rsvp trial and then time window is different the duration is different. And also in monkey H, for both conditions, within one trial, they presented, you know, series of images with different um, time series, uh, sorry, time uh, durations. So 
supplementary material, they use slow-paced trial because this corresponds to, in a sense, the single stimulus trial, which is isolated stimuli in figure two. Oh yeah, okay, now I get it. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, I did not explain that, but um, yeah, I don't think whether, you know, that differences in condition between two monkey explain the difference in performance, classification performance between monkey and monkey hedge. But I think overall the performance or at least they found some kind of increase in classification performance for both monkey A and H. So their conclusion, in a sense, solid or robust, I, I would say. But probably my you know, understanding is wrong in terms of that, you know, task conditions. So and any other. Questions, comments? Okay, so if not, let's start discussion. Um, do you wanna start some, you know, or do you wanna say something? Or otherwise I will have some, you know, comments or questions. For the, for the discussions. Yeah, yeah, go ahead, I think. Yeah, um, so my question is in a sense related to Aniko's first question about the top-down and bottom-up, that kind of, you know, processes happening in the brain. But um, in this study, they showed that the classification performance is better in prefrontal than in um, PPC, posterior parietal cortex. Then I checked the, uh, the time point where uh, the maximum you know, classification performance uh, was obtained for each regions. And then seems like, um, for each region, the maximum classifications is almost at the same time, reached almost at the same time. But if that's the case, then how you know can we interpret this? Because my understanding is that, that even though that you know there are some you know interactions between um, prefrontal cortex and posterior parietal cortex, I imagine that the posterior parietal should be, you know, input or send an input to um, prefrontal cortex for conscious, you know, experiences, I think. So that means that the, the maximum uh, classification performance will be reached earlier for PPC than for um, PFC. But they shows that then almost the same peak for both regions, 
or probably the, I don't know, almost the same, but the slightly slower or later for PPC instead, not the PFC. And I don't know whether how or how we can interpret that. Or does they, because, you know, if in, they think about uh, some kind of neural processes in parallel pathway or the interactions or that kind of complex relation between um, prefrontal cortex and um, posterior parietal cortex, they might have some kind of you know, prediction about that, but they did not, at least I could not find any you know, synthesis explaining that kind of you know, um, temporal difference between the prefrontal and posterior parietal in this paper. So that's my kind of questions or comments on this paper. What, what, what yeah. did you think, or did you find that point mm. as well? Firstly, I agree with your uh, question. And uh, so in this study, they also uh, discussed this point, right? The, so why the prefrontal cortex to activation or uh, sensory uh, is better than the PPC that the factory, the more quickly pathway of the visual information, like the uh, magnol cellar or the, how to say, term, uh, yeah, this one. And uh, not on, also there, uh, they are the visual perceptual pathway, not only the uh, post uh, perceptual cortex, but also the thalamus and the, how to say, are, uh, sorry, do, mm, so wait, I, I forget the name. So not only the perceptual cortex, but also the uh, visual information and uh, the thalamus and the, like the subcortex and the, like the amygdala pathway and the uh, prefrontal pathway. It, I think it's a more quickly than the passage, normally passage, perceptual pathway. So I think the authors discussed this point and the uh, prefrontal cortex activation is much um, faster than the PPC. But I'm I also wondering, this, this quick activation is not the represents the detail of the visual cortex or contents of consciousness. So I, I agree with the activation of the P, PFC is faster than the PPC, but this early activation didn't, uh, I, I, I don't, I, I can't believe that this early activation represents the content of the consciousness. I think and this represents like the the as the author said the like the sorry quick quickly 
like decoding or uh, how to say quick quick judgment not only the detail but sorry, this is not the detail of the uh, decoding but the rough decoding of the visual information so you mean just the decode gist or stimuli right like this i think they also discussed this point Mm. I don't know, but, but by the way, this is the figure from supplementary material showing the um, performance, classification performance in PFC and PPC. And what I mentioned is that the peak of, you know, blue and yellow. And for me, it looks like um, PPC, the peak is later than the blue line. PFG. And I don't know how we can interpret this. And H, uh, monkey H, probably the peak precede in PPC than PFG, but not for monkey A. So I don't know why, how you know, the author interpret these results. And another thing is that um, in this, um, you know, slide, I, uh, the, the author shows the performance from PFC and PPC, and then they selected the um, channels based on the activity um, during uh, from 100 millisecond to 200 millisecond after the stimulus onset. So if they observe some increase or decrease in that time duration compared to the baseline pre-stimulus duration, they consider or include these um, channels. But if I don't know whether that kind of bias, that kind of channel selection bias the results, specifically this result because again the ppc i imagine that then they encode the information earlier than pfc in temporal uh, or in the time scale so probably we there is some you know important information the channels for ppc but I, I don't know. At least they provided or make their data publicly available so we can, you know, check or analyze their data by ourselves. But, you know, that's kind of my question. All about the, you know, timing of neural processing. It's really complicated but at least they consider two different brain regions. So I don't know what the prediction of the author on the, um, these um, timing of these regions. Yeah, that's kind, kind of my you know, questions or comments for this paper overall. Did, did, 
does this make sense or? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Any other questions? So basically, yeah, as Nico mentioned, that I am really interested in the you know, different pathway and the timing of neural activity for this. So again, I was really interested in that kind of aspect or what the author predicted about that while reading you know, this paper. But um, I think paper itself was, in a sense, clear. So probably we don't have many to uh, discuss. But uh, one thing is that uh, it's kind of interesting that then in the last section of discussion, they mentioned the representational similarity analysis. And the Krieges-Koltes, you know, approach, and then that's something related to Korea structure, you know, approaches. So, in a sense, you know, consciousness researchers, you know, start to think that kind of approaches is important for consciousness. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah, I see that. Any other comments, question? I think we've already discussed paper, this paper, roughly like 30 minutes or something. So if nothing else, we can finish discussion here. You fine? I have a briefly uh, comment, a question. So in this study's result are concluded, sorry. Uh, it support, this study supports uh, not only GNWT, but also IIT. So they also mean that the PPC also are uh, activated at the predict the uh, visual uh, experience. So this point supports uh, an IIT and also prefrontal cortex also important for like the identifying the or decoding the visual information. So, uh, um, so prefrontal cortex, the result, the result of the prefrontal cortex decoding supports the GNWT. So, how, so the authors, how did, did the authors want to uh, discuss the relationship between the, this result and the, these two theories? So, I think at the first, their aim is, or they wanted to test the role of prefrontal cortex. So their assumption is that if 
prefrontal cortex really related to you know conscious or contents of consciousness then they sh or we should be able to decode the stimuli or the contents of consciousness yeah. from or based on neural activity at the prefrontal cortex yeah. that's the assumption the main assumption and at the same time they also investigated um, um performance or the they also checked the classification performance at the um, um, posterior parietal cortex yeah. and then they found that classification performance in or from prefrontal cortex is better than um ppc posterior parietal cortex mm -hmm. and then they suggest that then or if that's the case then the pfc seems to encode the stimuli more accurately than the pfc uh sorry ppc meaning that then um, content of consciousness might be highly correlated with activity in PFC than in PPC. And all the, they compare the two theories in the discussion. So they did not say anything that strong like IET is not true or something. But they just, you know, showed their interpretation regarding the two theories. Does, does this make sense? Yes, I see. And uh, and, uh, these theories cannot explain the uh, this quick PFC activation, right? I think as what as the author discussed. Cannot so, explain. So no, yeah. So normally, according to GNWT, the how to say the graduation and the threshold of of the brain network activation, right? Posterior and the prefrontal parietal net posterior and prefrontal uh, cortex and the global ignition. So the uh, there are the stages, but in this study, the study shows that the prefrontal cortex is much more earlier activated. So this uh, result did not support or did not in this this result is incongruent to the the stage of the emergent consciousness according to of the GNWT, right? I think they support, or at least they say that then this result support the global neuroxpert theory. Yeah, but so the earliest prefrontal cortex activation is, I think, incongruent, or uh, incongruent is missing. So the, theory, the prediction of the GNWT uh, ah, okay, don't... so I think I kind of understand what you try to say. Mm. So, according to 
global New York space theory, mm -hmm. once some information enter the global New York space, mm -hmm. then yeah. it should lead to conscious experiences. Mm -hmm. So no matter or regardless of the amount of information, once that information enter into global workspace, then it should be consciously perceived. Mm -hmm. And if that's the case, then that RE activity at the prefrontal, or the first of all, if we consider, or if we assume that the prefrontal cortex is kind of global neural space. Mm -hmm. And then if some activity reach the prefrontal cortex or global New York space theory once, mm -hmm. that should be consciously perceived. Mm -hmm. Is that what you try to say? Oh, yeah, sense? yeah. Oh. Mm. Mm. Uh, I see. I don't know. <laughs> Isn't that isn't that the global neural workspace? Um, maybe, if I recall correctly, more recent papers were suggesting global activation, not specifically at the prefrontal cortex, oh. like or like a, an extended um, network of activity. Yeah. Isn't yeah. they? Um, yeah, but still, I I don't understand what the entrance of global act, you know, New York's workspace mean? Like, what, you know, it's not like a binary separation, either zero or one, like, a, oh, now enter, or now, not, you know, in the, on the stage or something like that. Because if we can think, if we think about that kind of, you know, binary, you know, separation, then there is no like a early or late kind of argument probably. Well, isn't like, I think there's a lot of issues with kind of mixing all of these together because you have like, whether you can decode some activity, like decode uh, something and categorize something from neural activity but then how is that relates to actually having a conscious experience and how is that relates to having a conscious experience and being able to report about it? Um, I, it's, I think it's, it's unclear. Mm. Um, I think you can potentially, you know, better than chance level uh, decode many things from the brain. Mm -hmm. Like, and then there are several uh, like so many studies doing this kind of um, decoding work. Okay. But I'm always, um, yeah, trying to be very cautious about assuming that, like, this, what this decodability means. I mean, yeah, I, I, I'm, I I'm, don't know if the authors actually suggest that. Um, Decodability means mm. like much more than that. I see. I see. Yeah. I see. That's but I don't really, know. Yeah, that's really important point. You know, I think. Mm. So there. Yeah, that's very important point. I think. Mm. 
Mm. And any other comments, Yuichi? Mm. I'm okay. Okay. So should we stop here? Okay. Then um, see you next week. Bye bye.